Now, I know what you're thinking. If only there were a podcast where two white guys talked about their opinions about movies. But, boy, do I have something for you. Because what's even better than that is a podcast where two white guys talk about their opinions about movies informed by the will of God. Because this podcast, uh, you know, is under informed. under the divine influence. As, as they we are, say. we are very much under the influence, uh, and and it is under the influence of the big man upstairs who keeps uh, invading my dreams when I sleep and telling me, "Hey, you should watch those Fast and Furious movies." A really sort of interesting take from the man upstairs to to have like one thing that he's got to say, and it's, "Hey, hey, guys, you should probably watch vehicle identification numbers movies." Yeah, so as we discussed in you know our, our uh, inaugural episode, um, the very idea for the podcast uh, came to me in a dream after seeing the trailer for Fast 10. Uh, and then uh, Joey and I went to see the movie uh, a few days ago, and we recorded our thoughts uh, just you know immediately coming out of the theater. But um, a couple days before we went to the theater, uh, I said, hey, you know what? Let's go see it in 4DX, you know, with the moving seats, make it like a ride. I'm sure it would be really funny, you know, because we kind of talked about, um, you know, the the ride on the, the first episode. For, do we want to explore and use a lot of, um, let's just say, proprietary terminology for different types of moviegoing experiences? Do we want to uh, maybe consider uh, explaining them as we go? The like, seats move, about... they shoot air at you, they um, you know, sometimes spray you with water. Uh, you can turn that off, thank God. Um, but uh, anyway, so... It's kind of like a ride, and I had gone to see um, the Super Mario Brothers movie in 4DX, and um, my god, what a fun experience. I mean, it, it was fantastic. That movie is built to be a ride, uh, and and that theater-going experience was just, like, unlike any other. The Mario Kart segment alone was just, like, fantastic. I had a big, dumb grin on my face the whole time. Then uh, 4DX went... is, is exclusive to um, uh, which chain? Regal. It's a, Regal, it's a, right? a okay. Regal, yeah. Cool. So, um then so so we had the idea to, to to see it that way then i had a dream where i went to uh the theater for the the 4dx showing and was unhappy with it but then uh a showing opened up at a nearby amc with a dolby theater uh which is kind of like imax it's like a big screen you know subwoofers and the the seats and everything it, it is not IMAX. it is a different thing it's a different I, thing amc has 20 million versions of different ways you can see movies including IMAX, IMAX with lasers with lasers without lasers 3D with lasers Prime 3D. who knows what any of that is uh Dolby uh cinema is like the their spe- the special like Dolby HDR version um where you get like uh the Ultra HD plus HDR uh, and Dolby uh like surround but uh, but anyway but, not not anyway. being one to um you know ignore a, an omen right uh, a sign from god i i woke up i texted you i said you know what we can't see it in 4dx we gotta try for dolby um and uh what should stand in the way of the will of god other than disney's live action little mermaid uh which <laughs> took up all the dolby showings at our local theater and all the imax showings so uh we looked for an alternate way to watch the movie and the best that we could find the only alternative to just sort of a standard viewing experience right was um what regal calls butt kicker seats butt kicker seats i have some thoughts 
on the very existence of butt kicker seats. I'm not happy about this idea. I am offended by the existence of these, this weird sort of fetish movie theater uh, experience. There's, so you're telling me that there's just people who walk into movie theaters in broad daylight and walk up to the counter and are like, "As hi, I'd like to experience being kicked in the ass repeatedly while I watch wait, this film. Wait, I googled butt kicker seats while while we're talking uh it is a brand of seats they have different um categories there's butt kicker gaming butt kicker home butt kicker cinema butt kicker music it, this is a hundred percent a niche fetish product Million Over 45,000 seats, 11 countries, 200 screens, and counting. BKCS, Butt Kicker Cinema Systems, oh I, I believe. Active seating moves your audience and your ROI. And it has like a blueprint here of how Butt Kicker seats work. It says, <laughs> easy to install with no maintenance. Each seat in the auditorium is fitted with a BKCS transducer. Wait, isn't the transducer what the bad guy is after in Spy Kids 2 to turn to off rever- the world? To reverse the polarity of the bug kicker transducer. Listen, I'm not some kind of weird butt pervert. I this don't I, hold on, butt kicker home. This is this is what you need, Joey. The butt no, kicker oh wireless God. couch kit. Get oh, ready for the most the... thrilling entertainment experiences no, you've ever had at home. No. Sends the feeling of explosions, rocket launches, racing engines, music, and much more right through your seats. Why do you want that? Who wants to feel their ass exploding? <laughs> Why is this a desirable product? Man, this transducer doesn't look anything like the thing from Spy Kids 2. <laughs> Spy Kids 2. So you think... Do you think the creators of butt kickers stay in their corporate offices because they too live in fear of what they've created? <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, please listen to our, uh, you know, first, um, what would you call it? Our our first impressions or our mad? Our, our, uh, initial, our initial reactions to uh, the the uh, Fast 10 movie after getting out of the theater minutes before. Yes. Uh, please enjoy. We're, we're joining you uh, moments after stepping out of... Literal minutes after stepping out of the movie theater for uh, Fast 10, Fast 10 Your Seatbelts. It's really hard to say Fast 10 without saying Fast 10 Your Seatbelts. I know, I, but I don't want to say Fast X and sound like an idiot who doesn't yeah. know what Roman numerals are. Which I've heard I've heard people say, oh, it's Fast X, and I'm like, no, yeah. it isn't. <laughs> you know, like Star Wars Episode III. I, 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 yeah, exactly. Um, hmm. Well... Zachary, yes. This is the first Fast and Furious movie I ever saw. This is the technically third one that I've ever seen. It's the first one, no, the second one I've ever seen in theaters. The first one of the main franchise that I've seen in theaters. It's the first one, like, it's the first main, like, Vin Diesel Fast and Furious movie, right, that I have seen at, like, you you know, in theaters. Um, and, uh, before we get into our discussion, um, if for some reason you're listening to this podcast with an interest in seeing the movies, but you haven't seen the movies, stop, stop right now. I mean, just (laughs) stop in general, but also, um, yeah, like we are, we are going to be going kind of point by point play, not exactly like play by play in chronological order. Spoiler heavy is what we're saying. We're not going to be shying away from anything. Um, so, you know, just... 
you know, if you haven't seen Fast 10, but you wish to see it with, without our understanding of the movie uh, and all its plot points first, I'd recommend you stop listening. Yeah. Now, that said, I say spoiler heavy, having just come from the movie, I don't know the names of any of the characters. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, so I, I will... so, there's vehicle identification number Diesel. <laughs> yes, there is, there is um, Michelle Rodriguez. Right, I'm just going to call them by the names of the actors and yeah, actresses. Yeah, yeah. There's right? Ludacris. Right. John Cena. Right. Uh, Charlize Theron. Uh, Jason Statham yeah. as the second Shaw. Yeah. Um, and Helen Mirren is Mama Hel- Shaw. Helen that Mirren was a surprise is, to me. I had no idea who she was. I did not know. I didn't know that Helen Mirren was in these movies. I did not right. know that uh, Helen Mirren was... It actually took me a moment to realize that um, Vin Diesel's grandmother and Helen Mirren were different characters. Vin Diesel's grandmother? <laughs> Yes, okay. Because Vin Diesel's sure. grandmother shows up at the beginning of the movie, yes. and then later Helen Mirren shows up for a single scene, and apparently Helen Mil- Mirren is like, um, she's like she, MI6 uh, or something, but she, 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 she's, she's also Shaw's mother? Yeah, I she's think. Jason Statham's mother. Right. And was she also Luke Evans' mother, or did we establish that Luke Evans died in the ride and then regenerated regenerated into Jason Statham? I don't know the answer to that, but definitely she is, because there's there's a really important scene to the movie in which somebody tells, one of the characters, whose name I can't remember, tells Jason Statham... Game of Thrones chick. Is that who she was? The one... Oh, she's Miss Sunday from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Daenerys yeah, girl. The, the computer person, apparently, I think. We gotta hack an uplink to the mainframe. Yeah, that was exactly. Her yeah. Right. So she tells Jason Statham that his mom is in danger, so he packs up every gun. <laughs> every... And, wait, and, and leaves the movie. Yes. Every gun in the whole goddamn world into one duffel bag and leaves the movie. And he also just got... Like, they should show up and are like we need your help and he's like cool oh my mom's in danger gotta go and then leaves yes okay we, but that's way into that's the way movie. later in the movie let's go point by point because yeah. to to illustrate or, or for our dear listeners the way that we um you know saw this movie was we went in with pens and notepads and as anything would happen in the movie, we would do the Spongebob meme of the write that down, write that down. And one of us, if either of us, uh, you know, thought to write something down, we went and, uh, j- like, scribbled notes in our in our uh, notebooks. So, um, the first note that I have in mine is the drink. Uh, because there was a, a specialty flavor of Pib for this movie, which I tried... And, um, it was nothing. So. It tasted like, he made me take a sip. Listeners, we're very dedicated. Very we're, dedicated. We're going to sample every piece of Fast and Furious anything for, for this podcast. Uh, it tasted like a melted cherry popsicle. Like somebody had a cherry popsicle. I just don't understand popsicle. how it was diff- different from, like, regular Pib Cherry. You know uh, I have mean? no like, idea. I, I don't drink Pib, would you believe? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, shockingly. Alright, the first note that I have written down is just the word clapping with a question mark, because if you recall, when the movie started, the people behind us just sort of erupted into excited applause at the opening, like, The uh, people behind us, actually, they, I was, I, the whole time I made it my mission to determine if they were laughing at the movie or with the movie. No, I think they were Fast and Furious super fans, because Vin Diesel, I think it's when Vin Diesel shows up and they, like, erupt into a 
applause or something. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's done! Right? And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, okay. Okay, so, one thing One thing that's a big note that I, I want to go over um, with, uh, that, that is very upsetting to me is that I thought I was being clever when on our first episode I said, I'm going to refer to Vin Diesel's character as Dami, and then the villain makes that his whole shtick in this movie, yeah. and now it's like, well, you know, people are going to think I took it from yeah. that. But I didn't. Did I had, not know that that I, was the case. I going had that in. idea myself. Um, my first note, also from that first scene, just says "Oh no," um, because basically from the first scene, it just it, you know, there's like a flashback to one of the Fast and Furious movies. Is that from a Fast and Furious yes, movie? The, sa- the safe heist. Yes, it is from a previous. Fast and Furious okay, movie. I did not know that. Okay, okay, okay. okay. We should probably explain because I have friends who've told me that they're going to listen to the podcast instead of watching the movie, so we should probably explain oh, no. what we're talking about. Okay, yeah. So the movie opens with them, um, you know, pulling a, a heist, and I believe that this heist is from either fa- the fourth one or the fifth one, or, or it was one of the previous Fast and Furious What's- movies. Paul Walker was still in it. Okay. Um, oh, is that who that was supposed to yeah, be, that, driving the car? The other guy was Paul Walker. Because they kept, like, flashing away from his face. I didn't know if that meant that they, like, didn't re- were using footage, or they were, like, they, cgi They, could, they could only reuse whatever because fo- I think I think they're trying not to CGI dead people. Okay. Uh, so they were just reusing whatever footage they had of Paul Walker. Okay, because um, he didn't show up again, he and not. I was like, I don't know who that person yeah, yeah, yeah. was. Yeah, so that so that's Paul Walker. Okay, um, so what they so what they do is, and I and I love this plan as because I, as I remarked to Joey in the theater, um, any other heist movie they would come up with a plan, but the plan for this heist was drive a big truck into the building where the safe is, up to the room with a the safe, then drag the safe by like tow it from muscle cars, which is like the single dumbest heist. I've ever, like, you know, seen in anything, and, and really, I think, sets the tone for the franchise uh, as a whole. J- Jason Momoa's dad, who's the bad guy in, I guess, in that movie? Fa- let's let's say Fast Five, it might be Fast Four. Sure. Or, what was Fast Four called? Whatever, anyway, uh, go on. Okay, right? Who's that actor? Because I've seen him in things before. No idea. Okay. None whatsoever. Fine. But it's, presumably he was the bad guy in the, that movie. Yes, or something. but Jason Momoa wasn't in that movie. Right. So they're doing kind of like um, like a, a flashback of like, I was here the whole time. And this bit is very funny because then they pull this they a second another, time. Yeah. Where another <laughs> character was just also there the whole time. And yeah. they flashback again to the flashback To the before. flashback. Where they add an addition. Where, so they go back to the flashback where they divert the where the camera turns away from what happened in Fast F- Four or Five, and it shows Jason Momoa walk on screen. But then later they do it again, and a second character <laughs> walks on screen. Is like I'm also here. Which what a twist! I mean, straight out of Puss in Boots with Humpty Dumpty being in like the. That's I, a very funny reference if you remember that movie at all. Uh, Zach Galifianakis plays an egg who is in the background of every shot, but they, like, flash back to show you that he was always there. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. it's, it's a meme. The, the scene became a meme, because it it's really ridiculous. Sure. Zach Galifianakis is an egg. Um, okay, uh, what, what's... Joey, what is what is your next note? Okay, my next note was that we go straight from the op- the very dramatic opening sequence to some kind of, like, car-drifting sequence. Yeah, okay, yeah. So this is, this is a note I have in huge letters, my biggest note, editing. 
because there, anytime a new scene starts, it'll give you a location title and a needle drop of the shittiest music you've ever heard in your oh, life. Hold on, I, I have like, the music. I have on the next page in big letters. They always use the shittiest music. And, but my favorite thing is they do like a trailer, like fade to black, rapid cut. Oh yeah, it's edited like a trailer. Yeah, no, the whole movie is edited like a trailer where they're just constantly like flashing images like to give you a seizure and they're they're like um uh, the best one of course is when they go to rio and so they have like we can't talk about they have a ton of just shot random shots shots of of rio and then and then (laughs) once once again the shittiest music you've ever heard in your life followed by flashing sequences of butts just Just women's butts over and over again and this would be okay if there were any men's butts in there but no only women's butts i'm just so baffled by a huge portion of what we saw in this movie. And then I was like, does this happen in every movie? Like, in every Fast and Furious I, I'm movie? I'm sure it must. Is, there right? a, is this scene in every Fast and Furious movie? Because it's been... That's been in every Fast and Furious trailer that I've ever seen and was in the ride. So right, yeah. No, that, it, I think it's every movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, so no, so I wrote Oh No in that first scene because the, the editing was just such like, like yeah. it was a trailer or a music video. That's the yes. other thing is a lot of directors get their starts with music videos. I'm wondering if maybe this is a franchise for music video directors to try their <laughs> hand at making feature length films. You know what I mean? <laughs> that could be, that would explain some things. Yeah. Um, then, uh, your, your, your next note, you know, the next thing I have is something that I really want to... that's going to cover a huge portion of the movie. Okay, so then let me go over a couple small notes that sure, I have here. Sure, sure. Um, the next note I have is Dom Kills Cops. Uh, oh. And and this, this is good because... I have that written down somewhere. Because um, at a, a certain point in the movie, right, very early on, like, Dom gets framed for doing big violence, and so the cops are after him, um, even though, like, they, they got the wrong man. Now, in a lot of these action movies, when a guy gets, when the hero is framed, they have to find ways of taking out the police without killing them because they know that the police are on their side, but they're just being misled by somebody uh, at the top, yeah. right? But Dom has no such compunctions well, about uh, just cold-blooded murder, so he kills, like, 80 different police officers. Kind of based, but also, <laughs> like, the weird thing is that they're, like, also reverent of cops. Also, there's a conversation where he has, you know, he has with another character uh, later in the film where you get the sense that he really respects law enforcement officers. So it it just it strikes me as like, you know, how we talked about what are the politics of sure. the Fast and Furious movies. So I get the sense that this is a movie franchise, um, you know, beloved by people who maybe like have a support law enforcement sticker on their the back of their card, but also a Punisher logo, where it's yeah. like the Punisher does big violence and breaks the law, but you also support law enforcement. So kind of that dichotomy, I think, is very at play yeah. in the 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 psyche, uh, the the ethos of uh, so, or, or pathos rather I, of Dami Toretto's I, character. I also wrote down in uh, I took a full page, because again, we're writing in the dark, a full page to write this, nobody in this film has any qualms about killing people. It's just absolutely there is no sort of examination of the ethics of killing any of the people in this film, right? Regardless of whether they are mercenaries or law enforcement officers or innocent, like passers-by or bystanders, nobody has any, nobody from the supposed good guys to the bad guys to the other law enforcement 
agents has any qualms about killing people. And in fact, I think the body count of this film, I was trying to think, like... It's, well, no, Joey, they say that only nine people died when they it's blew up the Vatican. The, it has to be in the thousands. No, only nine people... The okay. news broadcast said nine okay, people died. the news broadcast says nine people died when they blow up Rome. They blow up the city of Rome and nine people died, right? Okay, but, but but apart from the Rome sequence, okay, you're watching them, like, they fling people out of... Mo- oh, we'll talk about jumping from cars later. But they fling <laughs> people out of moving vehicles, they crush people's cars, they're driving on highways filled with other people. Civilians. Filled with civilians, like, like careening into them and pushing them off of bridges and into walls. There's just explosions everywhere filled with just, like, innocent bystanders. It's just and and half of those deaths are on Dominic and his yeah, family, yeah, yeah. right? There's family, like family. yeah, family, right? There. I also just want to take a pause. We can come back to this, but uh, another note that I wrote was uh, Galaxy Z Fold uh, apparently sponsored this movie because a lot of the characters have the fold phones. Wait, did, I didn't even notice that. Is yes, that true? Yes, they wow. did, and it, it was very funny. I noticed it immediately. Um, and then uh, the next thing I have is that so in a scene where they're showing all the family photos at Dom's house, there's his wedding photo of him and his, his <laughs> wife. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay, go ahead. In the the house with the the, the picture of uh, his his wedding, Dominic Dominic Toretto apparently got married. In white slacks and a tank top. In a tank top. His wife, Michelle Rodriguez, is in, like, a wedding dress. Yeah, I think she wore a wedding yeah, dress. Yeah. But he's in a, t- a tank top. <laughs> it's very... It's a white tank top, but it is still a tank top. It's very... I like to... Maybe it's very... You know what it is? It, he looks like um, one of the, like, boys to men, or, <laughs> like, the Backstreet Boys in the I Want It That Way music You think video? maybe it was a vest, like, it wasn't a tank top, he just wore, like, the vest without a without shirt Without a shirt, so he's a sleeveless... Exactly, like a sleeveless vest with no shirt on. Or, like, a it. stripper, like, he's got, like, a collar <laughs> with a bow tie but no shirt. It could be... I think it was just a tank top because he's got the chain with the cross on it over oh, it. Right? We're not ready to talk we're, about. We're not quite ready to talk about the deeply religious yeah, overtones. No, no. This is one of the most religious movies I've ever seen I'm, in my life. And honestly, it was mine. I had no idea that this was such a a Christian franchise. Yes, uh, and uh, like I'm deeply more Christian than my Minecraft servers. Yes, like a deeply, deeply, and we're gonna kind of probably betray some of our Jewishness here, and that I don't know how to talk about some of the ideas. Well, so I, I'm just gonna say, so um, you know how? Okay, I'm gonna go on a. You know how we like to equate um, the Fast and Furious franchise to anime. Sure. So, so I have a I have a thesis about Christianity and anime. Okay. Right from what I've seen is that um you know and 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 for anyone who's going to be mad about this hot take you, you can look up the creator of Evangelion said this himself. Uh, but basically, right, Evangelion there are like articles and articles and essays and essays of like scholars identifying and unpacking the Christian themes in Evangelion, right? Mm-hmm. And the creator of Evangelion was like, you know, we just thought crosses looked cool. Right, but but like so the the Christian um, symbolism and iconography that is employed in um, 
in Evangelion is is done so purely at an aesthetic level, right? It's all very surface level. And it's used to tell a story which is actually about self-actualization and mental illness. But so anyone who's like digging for thematic like depth or um, meaning in Evangelion from a religious perspective is barking up the wrong tree. The religion is all there purely as flavor, but it's actually talking about something completely different. And a similar thing, by the way, in like, um, I haven't seen all of it, but like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and any other um, anime which uses like Kabbalistic or uh, Western religious yeah, themes and iconography. Yeah, a lot of a lot of religious iconography and symbolism as like aesthetic or as aesthetic flavor. Right. The, the kind of the same way that like Western Western media will often use, um, like, Greco-Roman, um, you know, mythological imagery. Uh, it's not to actually unpack the themes of, you know, like, mythology. It's to invoke the, uh, you know, emotions that are culturally associated with those poorly understood symbols. Um, so that was my sense of watching this was that it was very surface level and that any um any invo invocation uh yeah. of faith or the cross or you know they have a lot of shots when they go to rio of christ the redeemer uh you know there's the whole chase in the vatican there's a point where there are nuns going by and a character says this nun ya business <laughs> uh, <laughs> not bad honestly not bad uh but uh, you know to get real for a moment i think all of this um, I analyzed it as they're talking about faith with the Christianity as the aesthetic support for it, but faith is actually about family, I'm, and it's all about believing in each other. I, maybe, because there's also a lot of talk about, like, uh, sainthood and self-sacrifice. Yes, a lot right? of that as well. And the... John the, Cena fucking eats himself into right, an Right, exactly, right? John Cena dies in this movie, spoiler alert. Um... But there's and and the uh, uh, Jason Momoa's character right is constantly talking about he was he was baptized also like the Joker like he he gets yeah. uh, dunked into water and right. then uh, emerges reborn he talks about being resurrected um, there are a few characters who have come back from the dead yeah. who you know talk about that as well yeah it's really and then the other thing. Uh, that I want to talk about that was uh, about religious iconography was the God's Eye. And I feel like, I think this is coming from probably an earlier movie, right? But they just sort of casually, and again, this may, maybe this is introduced in an earlier movie. They do just sort of casually introduce the concept that everyone in the world is under the surveillance of a, a, an Orwellian panopticon that knows where every human being on the planet is at any given moment. Um, and it's called the God's Eye. I believe Charlize Theron... Uh... You know, it was when Charlie Theron was the villain in one of the previous films uh -huh. who could remotely control cars. I believe that was her like secret weapon when she was going to use the, her car remote control and God's eye to, I don't know, threaten the family, something like that. Sure. Okay. But it's, it's, it's kind of, and <laughs> I can only surmise, again, having literally only seen this movie. I can only surmise, though, that that movie doesn't adequately deal with the ramifications of, and well, I, I assume we're about to come to, the single global law enforcement agency that secretly controls 
all world oh, governments. Yeah, we have to talk about the agency. Right? We'll come to that in a moment. But there's one global law enforcement agency that has, um, like, authority and power over every... Uh, government and jurisdiction throughout the entire world and they have access to the Orwellian panopticon that they use to just surveil and monitor the entire world and at no point in this movie does anybody have any like there's no chance to stop and discuss like what are the ramifications of there being like a single global militaristic government that is aware like controls and sees everything and controls everything across the whole world that's just the state of the world well, in this movie i, I want to talk about that because i want to talk about there's a scene where and let's let's, let's talk about this character for a moment there, there's a character who so apparently kurt russell's in this franchise yes uh which, which we learned because there's a scene this is the best scene in the entire movie oh yes there's a scene <laughs> where brie larson strolls up she's never been in these movies before presumably she shows up she is announces that she's hold on is that true yes because it sounded like she's never no, been no 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 she she, so she's never been. That's why they have to have Michelle Rodriguez's character poorly ADR'd in saying "game recognized game" because if one of the characters doesn't give the street cred, ah, uh, okay, uh, you know, approving of Brie Larson, then they're going to end up with another another Captain Marvel situation on their hands, sure. and we can't have that. Sure. Uh, so what? Uh, it's also crazy that like Brie Larson is like the the twentieth build person in the credit end credits when like she's a huge actress and she yes. like, shows up but because this is the tenth movie she shows up as a new character she's yes. like so far down the list uh, but anyway also Pete Davidson shows up which I was like this is the real Ryan Reynolds of this movie you know what I'm saying uh, <laughs> but anyway um, so. Why is Pete Davidson in this movie? Uh, why is Pete Davidson in anything? Okay, sure. Uh, but but anyway, um, so so Brie Larson just Brie Larson walks into the movie. In, um, and they've got they they're in the Capital One studio, right? Like no, no they're in the you know, the room in the Incredibles where yes, they, right? Yeah. But also they're in the room in the Helicarrier where Nick Fury talks to the Council. Yes, they're, so they have the Shadow Council governing the world from behind the scenes, and they've got like the the secret agent, which is just called the agency. And for a while, we had to figure out if they were referring to the FBI by the agency or if there is a thing called the agency. And this was answered for us by the big letter A that they put on it for a secret organization. They do have their logo on quite a few uh, They just have a huge spitting blue A. And I, and I love the idea of the writers of the Fast and Furious like, franchise trying to come up with an idea for the agency and then they're just like, it's just called the agency. So it's just, there's just a big A. Just agency. Yeah. Right? It's like... It's like if I just uh, labeled everything. Imagine if everything was like car, <laughs> yes. driver, gun, right? Like everything's labeled like that. Uh, but anyway, so Brie Larson uh, strolls in and she's like, "I think that you're you're misjudging Dami Toretto by pinning the the ro- blowing up of Rome on, on him." And he's like, "Well, let me tell you something." Wait, and then he guess? starts to go through beat by beat the entire franchise and this is the best scene because Joey and I are sitting in the room like oh thank god somebody's gonna recap the whole franchise and he has screens like like the um, minority report screens yes. projected around him and as he mentions something 
clips from the previous movies show up on the screen. He's like, let's. It started back in 2001, where they're drag racing to cover for a basic heist. But then the you know, and and he goes through like you know each of these things. And he's like, then we recruited them for an operation back in 2011. Then they ran jobs, and he like basically catches up on the franchise and all these characters. I don't know who all the side characters are. Like he's like, and Dominic now has a sister and a grandmother and a brother, who, and he's uh, enemies with it. And basically they draw out like a family yeah, tree they, where this guy just like and then Dwayne the Rock Johnson showed up for a little bit but but I I do have to it's not like this is the first scene in the movie this, this scene, is like a half hour in this is at least a half hour into the movie they're like all right we're now going to recap the entire franchise for everybody just so you can be aware of what's happened thus far I also want to point out while we're talking about this character so this character who's got like a real bone to pick with uh, Dami Toretto, right? Um, he's, like, hunting him the whole movie, then they get attacked by uh, Jason Momoa's character, and then... Um, oh, that's the other thing. Jason Momoa's character's name is Dante, which I also thought, mm. because, you know, they call him the devil. There's a lot of, like, inferno... Yes, you're right. There, there's... I was... We didn't even cover all the religious imagery in right, this movie. Right. Uh, but, but, but anyway, so, um, so he shows up, he attacks him, and then the, the guy's like, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you. Let's go get your son back. And then, spoiler alert, twist ending, he turns out to have been evil the whole time. Right. He's the guy they do the second flashback to the first flashback so that they can show that he was there with Jason Momoa's character in the earlier flashback just off camera the whole time. Right. But uh, what was insane to me about this is as soon as this happened, I just scribbled down um, Paul Blart Malka. Because... <laughs> Because this is the exact twist, if you'll recall from the cinematic classic Paul Blart Mall Cop, right, that the head of the... Actually, that guy was an FBI agent. Yeah, that's true. Right? Um, or no, he was a SWAT team, whatever. Like, the, the um, like, kind of rough buddy cop figure mm. uh, turned out to actually be in league with the villain the whole time. Right. Um, yeah, so he, uh... Man, what a... So this character, I think, has taken over for Kurt Russell as yeah, the head of the agency. I actually don't know if Kurt Russell ever was in the movies, or if they're just show. They got a rights to stock footage of Kurt Russell and are pretending, are gaslighting us into believing that Kurt Russell they show, was here. They show an image of during the scene where he's recapping the whole franchise. They show an image of Kurt Russell on the screen uh, behind this guy and make reference to the fact that Brie Larson is his daughter. So I hope to God that he was in this franchise in previous movies otherwise this makes otherwise the introduction of oh my god is, this isn't the first... This can't be the first movie in which the agency appears, right? No, no, no. no. Okay. The agency must be... But they also... They have, like... They have, like, the... Um, their walls are made of, like, like sci-fi, like, Prometheus-ass... Oh, like, giant they, bricks that slide they, apart. So the agency also just has access to magic, from what I can tell. Because there are several scenes, right? Yeah. So there's literally... There's, like, one where it's, like, the scene... Um, uh, like the bricks are like like platform nine and three quarters in the earlier no, you're Harry Potter Diagon movies. Alley. Diag- you're right. Sorry, Diagon yeah, Alley, yeah, yeah. where like the bricks just like recede into each other in these like weird magical brick sequences, and then uh, Michelle Rodriguez is healed by a magic laser robot that can heal any injury at one point. Um, yeah, no. I, as far as I can tell, they're just they just have access to magic. I, I also just, you know, they establish that basically any 
car now has you can hack access into the mainframe. Like every car has a screen where you can just hit a button and like hack the system or something. Like even the hospital beds in that scene have a button where Charlize Theron can hack the system. Yeah, because they're all everything's connected. I'm telling you, the 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 world posited by this movie is a dystopian nightmare, the likes of which would make George Orwell turn over. Literally, his, 1984. It's literally, it's like it's the most insane, but it is not in any way. It is not even like reference. Well, it is referenced in one scene with the Paul Blart guy, which I do, I do want to go back to for a moment because so that guy he gives this whole speech of like you know nowadays. Uh, we've got, what is it? He's got, like, we've got microchips. We've got, <laughs> what is it? Oh, he's got, we don't have intelligence. We have algorithms. The days where one person behind the wheel of a car can make oh, yeah. a difference are over. And then Dami Toretto's like, buckle up. And he's like, what? And he's like, that's the problem with kids today. They're all on their phones. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they, like, blow up. And then he's like, I'm, and then, of course, he's like, I'm listening now. But then I mean, he turns out to have been the Paul Blart right. Mall Cop guy the whole time. I do, by the way, I do have to correct you. The quote very specifically is the days when one man behind the wheel of a car can make right. a difference are over. Because there, I mean, like, I, it doesn't does even... Does a woman drive in this movie? Yeah. Daniela yeah. Melchior yeah. does drive in this she movie. she drives in this movie. Uh, so Dami has to save her. He also saves Brie Larson. Yeah, and Mich- but Michelle Rodriguez is on a motorcycle right. uh, in the beginning. Of, in the and she gets caught she gets women caught. drivers. I really, like, I... I, I I'm very uh, hesitant to address the, like, blatant sexism of this franchise across the board, but I think we're going to have to. It's just... It's, it's something else. It's really quite something. <laughs> I, I have this one note, which was about a half... But within the first 15 minutes, I think I took this... It just says, I'm tired. I got the feeling of being exhausted. Um, because this was right after... So the note before it says awning, which I think is a reference to the scene where Dami Toretto sees that a, basically a nuclear bomb is going to go off. So he's like, I have to protect the people. So he drives into their restaurant in order to make an awning fall down on these people, presumably killing them, but, like, actually, in the language of the film, saving them from the explosion, which is not awning-proof. Oh, yeah, okay. So, I mean, I guess we should talk about some of the math in this movie. There's a lot to go over. I also, there's a scene where they save, there's, like, one agent working with them who actually knows what's going on, and they basically get him to jump out of a moving vehicle, Mm -hmm. uh, so that, like, you know, he'll still be alive. He rolls on the ground and is seemingly fine um, never shows up in the movie again and it's integral to the plot that he must be dead because now none of the agents know what actually happened um, yeah. but this also like even if he did die which he didn't because we saw him be yes. okay but even if he did die presumably there's like a record of him giving reports or like literally anything but I'm already I think giving this too much thought yeah the thing that the first thing that I want to address in terms of the math of this movie and this is really like I'm trying to okay so they say the bomb that's rolling through the streets of Rome that then goes off (laughs) exactly it's a lot of junk (laughs) yes uh, it is. It is supposed to be some kind of sea mine, sea mine. but it is also definitely referred to as, I believe, a ten megaton neutrino bomb. Yes. Right. So I'm pretty sure that they think. I, I don't. I don't. No, think no, no. But the river can decrease its explosive power by ten. By times. ten times. 
Okay, so... so it's a one megaton neutrino <laughs> bomb. But, okay, first of all, I'm not positive that I... Maybe they meant, like... I don't... I'm pretty sure neutrino bombs are not real because I don't believe we have the ability to control neutrinos in any way. But I, there's... I'm not we're a nuclear physicist. We're way, we're way outside... Okay, let's just say it's a 10 megaton nuclear bomb because I think... Or, or a 10 megaton yield bomb, right? They, the, they go through the process of saying the river is 60 feet deep that's not very deep but then they're like all right it's not a deep did river. they mean meters did they, did, they didn't I, say meters they, they didn't they? say meters she said it's 60 feet deep right and the the bomb is a 10 megaton bomb right if they push the 10 megaton bomb into the river the 60 foot the deep. 60 foot deep river right it'll reduce it's explosive power ten times. ten times. So that when it goes off... It only explodes, like, half of Rome. It only <laughs> explodes... It really, like, it's... I can't... There's just no way, right? <laughs> like, it... Well, my favorite thing is how um, there are a lot of moments in this movie, uh, which... Uh, just my favorite... Um, where Dom just has to drive harder, right? Like, he's driving, and he's got to do something, so he drives harder. Like, he tenses his, his hands on the steering wheel, he steps on the gas more, yeah. he, like, furrows his brow more, he leans for right? And only then does the car do, like... So, two helicopters are towing him off the ground, so he drives uh, harder and smashes That the was in the trailer. And, yeah, that was nuts. And it's also in, like, the final act of the... It's, like, at the very end of the final act of the movie. Yes. Um, like, this is in the trailer. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, well, also, there's, like, the neutrino bomb goes off, and all these cars are being exploded. Right, all the cops are being exploded. Again, quote-unquote, nine people died. Meanwhile, like, 20 police cars that are chasing him are obliterated by the blast of this bomb that he... He drives harder He drives than faster than the, the shockwave of... Which is not possible. But he... But by putting his foot on the gas more, he out-drives... Well, we also have to acknowledge that Dominic Toretto has super strength, uh, because he does lift up he a He does car. at one point... Use one hand to <laughs> lift flip over a car, right? That is a thing that happens. He doesn't even use both hands. He just uses the one hand for that. Hey, listen, I, Vin Diesel is a beefy dude, but I don't think I buy that. I also want to just point out, so the, the magic robot that heals people with lasers, that was what I missed when I went to the bathroom at yes. a certain point in this film. But uh, what Joey missed when he went out to the bathroom is... Um, John Cena and um, the, the kid, kid, right? Uh, vehicle identification number Diesel's son, yeah. right? Uh, they go uh, to the cargo hold of a big plane where um, John Cena's been carrying around this like kayak case with them. And it's not actually a kayak, it's a mini rocket ship uh, which is powered by... Um, in-flight bottles of Smirnoff. I, three of them, to be specific. There's no way. So three of these tiny... And he does not believe me because this ship never shows up again, but they actually pilot this ship out of the cargo hold of the plane and, um, you know, land it, presumably in Portugal. Uh, but Sure, yeah. But um, they do fuel this ship with exclusively um, 
three bottles of uh, in three in-flight bottles of Smirnoff. Uh, was there supposed to be like a different something in the bottles? Was that that was hidden in the bottles? No, alcohol. Oh, it's the, just yeah, alcohol like, is the fuel. Wow. All right. And it's like a kayak-sized two-person rocket ship. <laughs> okay. I don't. I have no. I have no words for that. Like, all right, cool. Uh, that's right after John Cena has to get up from watching Minions on the plane, which he is doing. Uh, cannot that stress is enough. pretty good. I did not yeah. see what the kid was watching, uh, but I thought it was a good gag that John Cena John is watching Cena's Minions. Watching Minions, yeah. yeah. Okay, John Cena is Dominic's biological brother. Is yes. that what we are given yes. to believe? And, and what's interesting is that Dominic's biological sister is also there, but she just pieces out of the movie after yeah, one scene. Yeah, she's not in... She's a, not on any of the, the... I remember her from the ride. She's right. not in any of the action sequences. She shows, She's babysitting the son when uh, the, the FBI open-up meme shows up uh, to yes. like, you know, capture the kid, and then John Cena shows up and, and kills all these uh, law enforcement officers. Yes. And, he kills all the cops. Yes. And, um, and then... She's just like, okay, here, go with the terrorist from the last movie. I'm piecing out, and she just fucks off for the rest of the movie. At the end of the movie, a submarine shows up. I thought I, for sure, I thought for sure, that that was Dami's sister. Especially because in the scene where they recap the whole franchise, they make a point of saying that the, their family stole a nuclear submarine at one point. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. this is where that's gonna come right, in. Like Dami's sister went to go get the sub to go find Michelle Rodriguez and, and rescue her, but then. Who pops out? Like, and then a brunette comes out of the the submarine. I'm like, oh, that's Dominic's sister. But then the brunette lowers her binoculars, and it's fucking Gal Gadot. <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, oh yeah, she was in these movies right, but too. I, correct me if I'm wrong, and you would have no way to know. Sure, but. I thought that she was just, like, their contact for a single scene of one movie, like, ten years ago. It's not... Here's the thing. It's not relevant. As far What I can tell is if anybody's ever been in one of these movies before, they're gonna be in this movie. Or the next one. Well, I do like how um, the guy who... Uh, the, the Paul Blart guy, mm. right, who's head of the agency, he's like, anytime we send a law enforcement officer after them, they become part of their family. It's like a cult. And I was like, damn, this guy's kind of talking some sense yeah. over here. Uh, and that is, again... <laughs> and one of the law enforcement officers is this chick whose sister is a drag racer who... Her sister gets rescued by Dami. She's played by uh, Daniela Melchior, who, um, of the Suicide Squad fame, rat catcher girl. Um, what? That? Oh, that's who that was. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Um, and so she, uh, the whole movie I was trying to figure out if it was actually her. Okay. Because uh, I was like, she looks like Daniela Melchior. I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, but anyway, so she um, is just like, go save your son. My nephew. And I was like, wait a minute! Wait a minute, what? What? Because I'm like, okay, hold on. Is... There's no way, right? Like, because the kid calls Michelle Rodriguez mom. Right. Presumably, he's her son. So is she sisters with the cop that died and the drag racer? Okay, no. Because they're not related to Dominic Toretto, or is it like a thing where like everyone's an uncle? Yeah, my understanding was that when she was like, "I'm part of your family now," it's impossible to tell though because they keep introducing new members of Dominic's family, like biologically. Yeah, but then there's also 
the family, like the, the family, the family, yeah. right? And it's just impossible to tell where one family. But like the thing is, like they don't even dwell on it. Like maybe in other movies they make more of a point of like the thematic found family, but for this one there's just a lot of religious imagery giving us the idea of like belief in Dominic Toretto. I guess it's unclear. It's unclear what exactly we're supposed to be believing in. Um, another note I have here is that there's a single scene, this made us laugh the hardest of anything in the entire movie, there's a single scene where, um, Jason Momoa drives through a tunnel, and his car makes a TIE fighter sound. Oh, yes! <laughs> I, we absolutely lost we it absolutely in the theater. We lost our shit. What a usage of that sound effect. <laughs> just like, it goes through the tunnel, it's like, <laughs> absolutely beautiful, just a perfect TIE fighter sound. Oh, like they used the stock effect on a soundboard. It was brilliant. It was amazing. Okay. One thing I want to talk about, and I don't know, I don't know how to, how to talk about this. Okay. This movie is just chock full of every cliche. In a completely unironic way, yes. they just use cliche after cliche after cliche. From the, like, I met the devil tonight, to there's a war coming. Yes. You'll never take me alive. By the way, there's a, I met the devil tonight, and there's a war coming are said maybe, like, a minute apart. Like, yeah. Each other. <laughs> Both seconds. by Charlize Theron. Right? And that's, and that's, I stopped counting the cliches after a while, because they were all... Well, I mean, you'll never take me alive or something, right? Like, there was, there was just... Every, and and I, I kept being like... On the one end, I have to give it to this movie for being, like, unironically... Uh, being able to, like, unironically, unabashedly just throw cliches out there without any hint of irony about it. But on the other hand, like... How can they just do that? Well, I want to talk about perhaps the biggest fumbling of the bag uh, in terms of trying to get a cliche in there. Um, and let's talk about the, the mid credit scene. Because this mid credit scene, it's impossible that it was filmed anything more than like two weeks ago. Right, like th- th- this this post this post credit scene has to have been like a last minute add on to the film. They they just worked out the agreement. No, no, no. Because because here's what's crazy is that the movie ends on a cliffhanger, then has another scene before the credits, which was clearly meant to be a post credit scene. But they didn't yes. think that anyone would actually stay through the credits. So there's no end credit scene. There's just a pre credit scene <laughs> and a mid credit scene, which yes. is insane. Yes. But anyway, so um, the, the 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 submarine is like the pre credit scene. But so then there's that this... takes place after the cliffhanger of they're all about to die in an explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, they blew up the dam where they're holding Portuguese Megatron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, right, Optimus Prime crashes into Portuguese Optimus Prime, and they blow up, and then the dam is about to explode. Yeah, but, so anyway, so, um, now, here's the thing that you have to understand about, um, this movie, is that Vin Diesel posted, I think on Instagram or something, where he was like, I'm getting everybody back for the finale of this franchise, you know, everybody, we're getting Gal Gadot back, we're getting, like, the whole family yeah. back together. A real, a real Dave Filoni storytelling yeah, yeah, yeah. method for this, yeah, the, uh, the Filoni this school of, uh, storytelling. Yeah. And he, uh, and he basically, like, tweets, like, at... Dwayne The Rock Johnson saying, like, my kids still call you uncle, and, like, you know, you should... And then Dwayne The Rock Johnson was asked about this, and he's like, Vin, that petty bitch. He keeps... <laughs> he's so manipulative, and he tried to bring his kids into it, and I, I fucking hate that guy, and I'll fucking... I'll, I'll fucking kill myself before I come back to that franchise. 
And Dwayne The Rock Johnson, meanwhile, is like doing this whole bit where he's like, I, I don't need any action franchise. I'm making Black Adam the new uh, like biggest character in the DC universe. And then his movie flops, yeah. and he, he even tries to like fudge the numbers and like producer situation that film, trying to make it seem profitable. Mm-hmm. And Warner Brothers fucking yeets him from the project, right? Amazing. They're just like, you're done. That was fucking embarrassing for everyone, most of all you. Uh, and then he announces that he's going to do a live-action uh, Moana because he needs to be in more... I don't understand... Wait, did he, he announce Yes, that? he announced There's a whole video of him talking about it with his kids about how he's going to do the live-action Moana less than uh, a decade, like eight years after Moana came out. Well, then I have to ask... Does Disney know about this? Yes, Disney tweeted <laughs> this video. For, okay. But basically, he's like now falling back on, like, he's like, well, in case of emergency, break glass, because he put all his eggs in this basket mm. uh, with, like, Black Adam, uh, and that kind of tanked. So clearly, now he kind of, you know, came back to around to Vin Diesel. Although I, do, I did hear that in the previous movie, they couldn't actually get both of them on set together so what they would do is they would film each of them in front of a green screen then poorly superimpose them together I did hear that so it did not actually look like Vin Diesel and The Rock were looking at each other it just like it was just poorly cobbled together I did hear uh, about that so um, but so at the end uh, the Rock shows up. He like takes off his mask. Right, he's wearing a mask, of course. Uh, and he takes off his mask. Wait, you have to. Well, hold on. You I, you haven't covered the fact that before he takes off his mask, they first flash back for a third time. For a third time, they go back to the same flashback and reveal that this masked character, who we don't know who he is yet, is the one who actually, like, after Vin Diesel and Paul Walker... Crash the car into the dad. Crash the car into the dad, and he's lying on the the bridge. He's still alive, and then this character, who's wearing a mask we don't know who he is yet, shoots him in the head. Right? That's Douanier The Rock Johnson. Yes. And... Uh, so he shows up because there's, like, a creepy phone and like, an abandoned theater, real scream shit. Yeah. He pulls up the phone and it's like, I'm also coming for you, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's me, Jason Momoa. I'm on the phone. And then this guy, like, takes off his mask. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm not hard to find, so come get me, you some bitch. <laughs> Said exactly like that. Not even exaggerating. No, that's exactly how he said it. Right? And then he crushes the phone in his hand. And yes. it's like, sorry, did we want one more take on that? <laughs> but I don't think they had time. I think they were just like, this movie goes to theaters in a day. I think three weeks ago, they were like... Two weeks. Tops. Right? And then they moved the scene, the other, the mid credit scene with Gal Gadot yeah. showing up. They were like, we can't put this at the end. No one has an attention span that yes. long. So they put it before the credits, which is... is Honestly, just like insane, Fascin- just a fascinating. Every decision choices. about this is is insane. So, so um, what I want to know is if Ryan Reynolds is going to show up from Hobson Shaw because he, what I assumed was happening was when Jason Statham, when they get Jason Statham, and then he he does nothing, he leaves the movie. He's like, my work here is done. <laughs> like you didn't do anything, right? Uh, when he leaves the movie, I assumed that they were going to pay off the fact that Hobbs and Shaw had a movie together, mm-hmm. and he was going to go enlist Hobbs for help. Right, sure. uh, but he does not show up again in the movie. Yeah, um, you know, and and I I wonder if Hobson Shaw is canon because like they're like this is the biggest threat that we've ever faced, and I'm like, hey guys, like a couple of years ago, a cyborg tried to unleash a super virus on the planet. Did we just forget about that? Because like you know, is Hobson Shaw not canon? I don't know. It's unclear. 
Uh, well, maybe that's the alternate universe with Gizmo, because uh, Gizmo did not show up in this movie. Yeah, but uh, we think he's going to be in the next one, for he sure. He must be, because Gal Gadot showing up in the next one, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson showing yeah. up in the next one, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, no, 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 uh, Vin Diesel, sorry, said that he wanted Robert Downey Jr. to be in the next one as Elon Musk. What? Uh, yeah, so Vin Diesel, what? Vin Diesel wants in part two Robert Downey Jr. to play an, a, a quote-unquote Elon Musk-esque CEO who is planning on making autonomous cars, which is antithetical to the Dominic Toretto lifestyle. Wow. Wait. I don't know oh, how this ties in with oh, Jason Momoa. there's so much to unpack there. I mean, oh, here's the man. thing. Vin Diesel, not liking cops, or Elon Musk is pretty based. Sure. We can, we can, we we can, can agree on that. We can all we can agree, agree on that. that. Fuck the police and Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, just, just a weird thing, though, to take, like, this... Because here's the thing, right? Is that, like, the... the The whole franchise has big Nicole Kidman energy, right? Where it's, like, there's no replacement for a man behind the wheel of a car. That's old school. That's... It's a moral thing, right? Like, we yeah. have to drive our own cars. And it's very much, like... We have to see movies in theaters, and if you stream a movie in your house, you should be shot right. in the head. Which, as we know, is the message from Nicole Kidman, you know, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Which I will still take any day over the Regal pre-cinema uh, clip, which is somehow even worse. But the... Okay, so I understand that the, the, the concept behind this franchise is very sort of, like, anti-progress, traditionalist values, right? Family like, values. Fam- traditionalist family values, right? Like that's Belief in, in my personal savior, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, yes. Right? Through God, all things are possible. Yeah, it has a... Through God, all things are possible, so write that down. Um... Right. No. I. I. So. So. I understand that. But what. But that does bring me back to the fact that it's. It's. The agency and the you know global world government. The globalists. <laughs> but seriously. But in this movie, there actually is like a single like a shadowy organization that controls the whole world. And right. And like that's not in any way a threat to, like, the traditional family values that they hold so dear. But, God forbid, like... And also, it's okay that all the cars have microchips in them and can be controlled from the Galaxy well, I don't C know if fold. that's okay. I think that's just the way that it is. And they're like, man, a society, am I right? Like, it's a big, <laughs> like, society. Everybody's movie. on their phones all the Everybody, time, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, let's actually pause here for a moment, because we, when we're talking about threats, like, that the movie does take seriously, gotta give shout-out to Jason Momoa, who's, like, he comes on set, and he's like, I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want, because the only one, like, everyone is at kind of... Let's say ranging from soap opera to grunting energy, right? Like, Dominic Toretto grunts out his lines, and then, like, everyone else is sort of doing, like, what? Like, uh, and apparently Jason Statham killing a named character is okay because that character came back to life, because apparently he's in this movie. Uh, Han, right? Okay, yeah, Han Uh, Solo is. Yeah, Han Solo's in the movie, and he's he's fine. But, um, so. Jason Statham killed him, but then he shows up, and then they fight, but then they're, it's cool, and then he grabs guns, and then he leaves to save his mom right. uh, or something. But, Helen Marin. Right, right, right. Um, but, so what's, what's nuts about this 
is that um, then Jason Momoa is on like a whole nother level. Sure. And they keep cutting back to it. Like there's a moment where like Dom is in a whole ass chase sequence and they keep cutting back to Jason Momoa just ad-libbing and riffing yeah. different it's very good. one-liners. Very good. Cannot stress enough that the whole movie is worth it just to see Jason Momoa kind of just like doing like... You missed... When you went to the bathroom, Zachary, you missed a scene in which like earlier in the movie he like kidnaps two like tech guys at gunpoint to help with him, you miss the scene where it is revealed that Jason Momoa has killed both of them, but is, like, weakened at burnizing their corpses to have a tea party with him. So the whole scene is just... Sorry? I am not shitting you, Zachary. Pardon? The whole scene is these two, like, fly-ridden corpses that have their eyeballs taped open, and Jason Momoa like, making, de- like, making, like, corpse jokes about, like, why so dead? Like, learn, like, why why so quiet, guys? While well, he has them, like, propped up in lawn chairs in his backyard, while well, he's then, like, painting their nail. It's, like, it's, 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 one, super fucked up, but two, like... And this scene does what, exactly? It does no- I think it's the scene in which he stacks their bank accounts and steals all their money. Because at one point, he just opens the laptop and he's like, should I take their money? Yes, and pushes a button, and then all their money is gone in the next scene. Okay. But the bulk of the scene is Jason Momoa doing a weekend at Bernie's routine with these two dead guys. Okay. I cannot stress this enough. This is a real thing that happened right at... Bet- it was happened between the laser healing machine that heals Michelle Rodriguez right. and John Cena making fake IDs for him and Dominic Toretto's kid. Right. And I missed all that and somehow... <laughs> You still followed. You, you missed. They followed the plot loosely. Sure, yeah. Let's, let's say you missed, but you did miss all of that in sort of the two minutes that it took for you to use the bathroom. Yeah, this movie does not stop. It is. It is like it. It, it goes fast. Yeah, and, and it goes furious. furious. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, that said, okay, let's let's kind of take a step back here. Overall, how'd you feel about the movie? Well, listen, it's not good. I think the first thing I want to say, I don't think this, I I don't think this franchise is going to be real good, guys. I, I hate to, to be the one to break it to you. I don't think this movie was very good. I don't think this franchise is going to be very good. That said, I had a great time. I... <laughs> I really enjoyed the experience of watching this movie in the theater. I do think I laughed really hard at some things that I wasn't supposed to laugh at. I was afraid that maybe some of the super fans in the theater were going to get mad when I, like, cracked up at some of uh, Vin Diesel's lines that I think were not supposed to be humorous. Like when he says, You made one mistake, Jason Momoa, and it's that you forgot to take away my car. Yeah, that was great. And I, like... I saw that line in the trailer. I burst... I did not see whatever trailer that was. 
It was I, a TV spot, I think. Oh, okay. I burst out... The only one in the theater to laugh, of course. I burst out laughing. Because well, uh, it was the f- one of the funniest moments oh yeah, the, of the whole film. By the way, the, the people behind us, uh, when uh, The Rock takes off his mask, they were like, Oh! Right? Like, like, uh, like... Like the, the prime, like you know, pogging, like kind of soy jack, kind of like yeah, pointing, whoa, at, the pointing at the screen, Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, they're like, oh my god, yeah. Uh, another line that I really enjoyed um, was, I think, uh, when I forget the the exact context. Right? But they're, like, all pointing guns at each other, and Vin Diesel is like, you can't buy the streets! <laughs> that is so good! You can't buy the streets is excellent. Right? I think the context is, because Jason Momoa, it's, like, a big point that he doesn't have a family, right? So he's, like, buying people off and paying mercenaries to be his soldiers, right? And, like, uh, and so, so he's, like paid off a bunch of people to, like, be his dudes and point guns at Dominic Toretto's... Dominic Toretto, and he thinks he's one, but then, like, the a bunch of other random people come up behind Vin Diesel and point guns at him, and then that that's when he's like, you can't buy the streets. Yeah. Very good line. So, I also... Okay, so, going back to, like, what we thought about the movie, I want to share my opinion. Because about... 20 minutes into the movie, that's when I took the note, I'm tired. And I thought, this is going to be a long podcast. Just the whole way through. And about an hour in, maybe, I think the Stockholm Syndrome set in. Because I started to think, and I don't remember exactly when it was. It was after I was already back from the bathroom. Um, and it might have been kind of late in the movie, but I think... When was it? It was probably around the time that, um, it was probably the Smirnoff bottles in the, in the rocket ship, where I was like, this might be the greatest franchise of all time. <laughs> like, to actually just care this little about, like, what is real or sensible or overdone, uh, just balls to the wall, like, fuck it, we ball... Yeah, every step of the way, not taking your foot off the gas pedal. You know, crank it up to eleven yeah. the whole way through. Um, might just be the greatest thing. Like I do see the appeal. Now there is um, there is a moment early in the film though where they like there are a few moments early on in the film where they like pan around the cars and show the car a lot. They'll do, like, a lot of needle-drop shitty music. They'll talk about the specs of the cars. And I very much understand this is not for me, right? Yeah. Because I'm I'm just not... I'm not a car guy. I do not know cars. I do not understand any of this. This isn't my taste in music. I, you know, this just isn't... I'm not from the streets, and I can't buy the streets, yeah. you know what I mean? But, like... When it's just, like, action sequences... Because the whole movie's just an excuse for, like, balls of the action sequences. They mentioned that one of the guys went to space, which I do remember that in one Fast and Furious yeah. movie, they do go to space. I thought... I, you're right. That is the thing that happened, isn't it? Yeah, so I was just like, you know what? Maybe a franchise that cares this little is the way to go. Because the alternative 
is because yeah definitely a lot of this is like characters showing up that we're supposed to recognize and cheer for but like they're also treated with so, they have too, too many characters to do this with so they're just sort of dropped on the side of the road like here's a character yeah. bye in many cases literally in many cases literally um Maybe that's the way to go. Instead of this, like, bullshit, like, reference for legacy characters, just kind of not giving a shit, right? Like, if we're gonna do characters showing up, it might as well be, like, we just gotta get to the next thing. Instead of, like, hey, let's focus an hour of the Flash movie on Michael Keaton, which I'm assuming, based on the trailers, is what what's gonna happen. Uh, but, like, yeah, it, it just, it really, um, it was just kind of refreshing to just watch, like, a dumb action movie in theaters, turn my brain off, and just kind of go like, you know what, fuck it, yeah, like, the Dominic Toretto's car, uh, like, there's a moment where he yeets himself off a bridge, crashes into a crane, swings, like, a 10-ton a, a weight around, and then, like, smashes into a brick wall, and then just keeps going. And, and I was he, like... He, his car lands intact and keeps driving. Yes, and, and he's fine. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what... Sure, why yeah. not? Fuck it. I think it's in in the the recap scene, a half hour into the movie, when Paul Blart right is like, if they can do it behind the wheel of a car and defy physics and gravity, doing it, they've done no, it. No, no, no. The exact line, oh, okay. and this I wanted to really go. Is he's, he says, if it goes against the laws of gravity and God, they can do it. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> yeah. Dominic Toretto defies God. <laughs> yes. Is like the greatest, like just like boom mic drop moment in in history. Yeah. Um. Now, the editing in this movie again, it's edited like it, a trailer. It, it, it's 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 rough. I I don't know how much that's the director's fault. How much that's you know the a lot of action scenes like car action scenes edited together very well. You can tell what's happening in the space of everything. Um. In-person action sequences, not so much. There is not a lot of spatial sense that you can make of when people are actually fighting each other hand-to-hand. Uh, it's all very shaky, very jumpy. Uh, they kind of break the axis of action a little bit. Um, but there was a tweet which I saw months ago, which I wanted to tell you about, which you said save it for the podcast, Michelle, sure. where um, Michelle Rodriguez or, and Charlie Theron said... We just decided to do our fight scene without a director. We were like, we're on set, we don't need a director, and they shot the scene. And I, I reading this, I was like, you couldn't torture this information out of me. I would never admit, right? Forget about throwing the director under the bus. That's just... Don't, <laughs> right? Like, just don't admit that, right? Um, now, I just want to say, so the movie, like... I don't know... I, I don't remember the name of the guy who directed this, but, like, if I were the director... That might actually... Now, watching the movie might be a good thing. Because now I could just say, like, yeah, I didn't direct that action sequence. That's why it looks like that. <laughs> yeah, I I, um, I want to say a couple things, right? And I want to make it clear that I, I these are not actually... These are not things that I hold against the movie. These are things that I think really contributed to my enjoyment of the movie. Right? In kind of the way that, that Zachary is saying. Um... The end, again, like I felt echoed by, you know, Mr. Blart uh, in that scene, there is every single one of these people should be dead a million times over. Yes. People are flung from moving vehicles, flung out of planes without parachutes, uh, just 
every law of physics and like and uh, god and god right and and like limitation of the human body is completely ignored people are like people who are in cars that crash and blow up and are like pancaked walk away from it with no nobody suffers so much as a concussion or a stubbed toe and if you live through this movie you come away completely unscathed people don't well john cena might still be alive because he only blew up that's true right but like people people there's like two people john cena is one of them who blow up in this movie and we're meant to assume that they're dead anybody else who blows up what the guy uh on the racetrack when when jason momoa does the other when jason momoa does the other cliche and he's like you must choose right and so vin diesel chooses girl and the other guy blows up um so right green goblin moment exactly right yeah exactly um so right so so well, I just want to say they do kind of address this because the the agent shows up at the very beginning of the movie and he's like, Charlize Theron lost six pints of blood. Normal human dies after four. Uh, and this led, led me to my first theory. Because let's talk about now what we assume about the rest of the franchise, right? I also just want to really quick say at no po- at point in this movie, no matter how what they drive over or how high they drop from, nobody suffers a flat tire. The tires in this movie must be made out of a fucking like a vibranium adamantium alloy or something like they nobody has a single flat and at one point he drops out of a a plane onto two other cars which, which is really crushes those cars crushes those cars and they explode and then he drives off of the wreckage onto the highway with his tires on fire and then they just sort of go out and are fine and he keeps driving I have no, no words. So this, so this leads me to you know my, my theory, which is that the uh, fast family, right, the fast fam, mm-hmm. are superhumans, right? It explains why they can lift cars and sure. stand, right? Because you said a normal human. So my theory is, right, whatever Idris Elba was on, like the super soldier cyborg program or whatever, there must be like other super soldier programs that exist in this universe, and the Dami Toretto family are experimental metahumans. Uh, you know, mutated by the agency, uh, or some shit like mm. that. Because honestly, uh, what the fuck is, <laughs> yeah. is, uh, else could this possibly be yeah. about as a franchise? I, I just, I am fascinated to the, the whole. If we could take a step back for a moment, the whole idea behind doing this in reverse, right, was the assumption. Hey, you said the name of the podcast. Hey, you said the name of the podcast. The whole idea behind doing in reverse the way we're doing it, right, starting with Fast 10 and working our way back, is that our assumption was that, you know, the later the movie, the more batshit insane it will be. And that as we go towards the earlier movies, you know, when we eventually get to Vin Diesel and Paul Walker stealing VCRs or whatever, that, like, there will be a sort of an increased respect for physics and gravity and the laws of storytelling. Um, I no longer am sure whether that's going to be the case. Because, like... 
It's so hard for me to see what the trajectory could have been from the first third of that first movie that I watched on a plane one time to the movie that we just saw in theaters. I cannot for the life of me imagine those things being part of the same film franchise. Well, it's also incredible to me because, like, so I saw that first one, right, and and don't remember much of it, and I did see Hobbs and Shaw, and it still doesn't feel like Hobbs and Shaw is, like, even part of the same franchise, Mm. right? Like, and, and this is where I go, I don't know if Hobbs and Shaw is actually canon. Sure. Because, like, Jason Statham is, like, in... The, the like in London or something, just like you know, beating a, the shit out of a guy trapped in a punching bag, and um, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah, remember that guy, random guy in his underwear jumps out of his punching bag and runs away. Oh, so Jason Statham's just randomly beating up, beating uh, up some a guy. Dude? Okay. I just I don't remember where the characters are at at the end of Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, I, I haven't seen it in a while, but like, I also I'm like, where's Ryan Reynolds in this? Because who is Ryan Reynolds Ryan, in Hobbs and Shaw? Okay, I, I almost don't want to tell you the character's name because I remember the character's All name right, well, because of how stupid it okay, was. Okay, so don't tell me because okay. we're gonna get up to that at some point yeah, and yeah. I want to watch okay, it. Okay, so um, Ryan Reynolds shows up as like a government agent. Sure. In, in that movie, is he I'm from like, the agency? I have no idea if he's from the agency or the FBI. Is and the think, agency in Hobbs and Shaw? I don't know. Okay. I think it's the FBI, but uh, I don't know. At this point, I, I think. Now, having gone back revisiting the ride, like, I think it's entirely possible that we're dealing with, right, like, an FBI, an NSA, and the agency all being separate or something, like, or the CIA, like, but there, there's, like, but I think there's at least multiple FBIs, and the agency is, is one of them, or a different thing. They were, de- in the ride, they were definitely all from the FBI, so I, I think that really the agency might come in, here's, my theory, if we were talking about theories for how the rest of the franchise goes, at some point, there was... Uh, a, a coup and uh, a, uh, the Illuminati or some equivalent like uh, global secret organization took control of the world and consolidated all law enforcement agencies into one sort of super military agency that oversees and controls everything. No, my, my guess is, is actually a little bit different. My guess about what happened with the agency is that um, what, what actually happened is they start out with, like, agents of the FBI, and then um, they're, they have to, like, go dark at some point. And at a certain point, it gets increasingly unbelievable that, like, they're doing these missions, that the FBI has this technology, right. or that they're still wanted by the FBI. So the explanation that they give is that, no, you're actually – it's no longer the FBI. It's actually, like, a shadow organization. Right. It's, right? like, S.H.I.E.L.D. or it's, something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. where they have to come up with, in order for the lore of the world to stay consistent, they actually, out of necessity – created a shadow FBI, uh-huh. right, which would then just be called... They, they, And I think they probably started just calling it the agency because they were too lazy to come up with a name for it. Sure. And then someone just assumed that was the name, and so they designed, like, a logo with a big A, so it's, like, agency, which is, like, so fucking funny. I wrote it. down the word agency, like, 17 times in this <laughs> notebook because I was so confused. Like, agency? What agency? What are they talking about? No, it is just agency. I know, and it's just, like... Scribble down, and they and they could have said CIA, FBI, NSA, 
OSS, right? They yeah. could have done like literally fucking anything. Uh, but they're, they're yeah, BTSO, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, deep cut. Uh, but yeah, no, they they, they could have done anything, but they were DOD even. Yeah. Right? But they're like, no, it's it's the agency. That's that's what it is. Um, uh, freaking fantastic control. <laughs> Sorry, if I were just listening to my agencies. <laughs> Oh man, do you think they, they, they? That's kind of the doors that they had, right? Is it like they had? No, like, I'm telling you, one. the doors that they had were weird magical blocks of obsidian that collapsed. It's true. They, they entered Minecraft. Yeah, exactly. Except no, because they go into like the Capital One commercial stage where it's like a glowing floor plan in the middle of Cerebro, yeah. and they've just got screens going. It's like, what's in your wallet, right? <laughs> Has Samuel Jackson been in these movies? Because if he hasn't, he's got to be. I would be shocked. I mean, I don't know. At this point, right, the the people who in this movie that I know were villains in previous movies are, so I guess Jason Momoa's dad, who died in yeah, one yeah. movie. Okay, Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Charlize Theron. Right. Um, John Cena. John Cena. But that's only, that's only four, and there's like 20 of these movies. Well, I assume some of the villains die. That's true. They don't all join the family. Or do they? Or do, or do they? <laughs> or are some of those other people, like, in the family used to be villains? I have no idea. I don't think Ludacris was a villain. I have no idea. Honestly. To, uh, uh, they also are just like, we have too many characters. We're just going to group four of the side characters on their own quest here for a little bit. Yeah. We're going to go meet Pete Davidson uh, and Jason Statham. Honestly, though, like, not a bad strategy for dealing with this many characters is to just sort of form subgroups and follow their own things. Now, that subgroup does crash into the side of a mountain on a plane and die in a fiery explosion at the end of the movie. No, 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 they're, no. Because the, the, what's going to happen... They're just, definitely not dead. They all, like, got in their cars exactly. and drove out of the plane. My, my prediction for what's going to happen because at the end so the plane crashes into a mountain and then like a mile away the dam explodes and it's going to come uh, and drown like uh, like Vin Diesel and his son my prediction for what's going to happen completely in defiance of all laws of gravity and God yes. is that um, the uh, Fast Fam because they show that they have their cars in the plane, yes. are going to drive their cars out of the plane before it crashes and then rescue Dami Toretto and his son bef- and then ride the water, like, goofy movie style, yeah. right, in their cars to safety, where they will then uh, eventually regroup with Gal Gadot and uh, maybe his sister, if they could get her in the movie for more than I a minute. I don't know what and that then, deal is uh, with that, yeah. Yeah, just, and, and then... Um, you know, Hobbs, who's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. Uh, now with a gray beard, not a black beard. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, to show time has passed. Yes. Uh, you know, I half expected them to give him an eye patch. I assume that the next movie will involve a kind of, like, endgame sequence of everybody showing up in in cars, obviously not through portals, uh, right. to fight Jason Momoa. Or, or Jason Momoa and Robert Downey and Robert Jr. Downey as Jr. Elon Musk. As Elon Musk, yeah. Uh... I mean, yeah, that's got to be it, right? Got to like, be, but like, also, be? Vin Diesel was like, "We're gonna do two. It's Fast Ten Part One of two, and now he's like Fast Ten Part One of three, and it's like, <laughs> uh, please don't, please don't, for the love of God! Wow, can you imagine? <laughs> oh, well, 
I think we've done what we came here to do. I think that, you know, in, in future episodes, we, we will have more time to prepare more, like, segments and, and discussions. Yeah. This is really, like, walking out of the movie theater, you've gotten just, you know, fresh stream of consciousness, first reactions. This is, I like, we, we got in the car and we're like, we cannot talk about the movie. This is, listener, what you have heard is our first discussion of this movie after having seen it in theaters. And, and we can, I think we should start the next episode with kind of... An apology to our listeners. Well, just in general, but also just like kind of a revisiting, like, okay, like a little bit out, now how do we feel about the movie in retrospect? Sure, yeah. In reverse, if you will. In reverse, yeah. Should we put this up just like raw, uncut, unedited, just like this stream of consciousness horror? That I think we should uh, edit out something. Yeah, no, we're gonna, like the part where you said some really reprehensible stuff about uh, certain groups of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the part where uh, you described how to build a bomb. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to edit those out. You yeah, know, just for brevity's sake. Just not for brevity. We're very proud of our uh, of our opinions, but uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, well, we just don't have time for all of them, guys. Um, but yeah. Um, wow. Just overall, okay. Well, how would you rate this on kind of a star scale? Oh no, if we have to give it a star rating, ugh. That's really hard. I for think me, three man. just feels right to me. Like out of how many? Five. Are we just giving ratings out of five? Yeah, I don't know. Three. I I honestly three and a half. I see. I suspect that if five, if if we're gonna say, let's just let's just, sorry, let's take a step back. Let's establish a rating system right now for each of these movies, where like one of the movies has to be a one star and one of them has to be a five star let's let's set that as the uh our rating system we're just rating the fast and within the franchise so it's not like let's not rate like compared to citizen kane or something right right, right. just within the franchise. just within the franchise. the franchise okay this might be because the thing is uh, well that would probably be better in like a tier system than a star sure. system, right? Because I would probably put this at like an A tier. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And for I was the gonna, franchise, and I was gonna say four stars for the franchise. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm kind of saying. Because it's not S tier because yeah. there are gonna be ones where they go to space, right? There are gonna be exactly. ones where they fight cyborgs. This yeah. one, I think, is 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 a great time, but I think that it. It might be just a bit too serious, a bit too grounded. Yeah, uh, I, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, but it is a bit too serious, a bit too grounded. It's not. For me. It's very fast, not quite enough furious. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good way to sum it up, right? And is that like because because I, I kind of expected it to be more ridiculous. Yeah. So like this is about as ridiculous as I expected like Fast Seven to be. Yeah. Um. So I think that others in the franchise. This is an A tier. I think it's got to be an A tier. Yeah. I might end up move it down to B tier depending on if the others surprise me as much. But yeah. from what what my expectations are for the franchise, this is an A tier, not quite S tier. I like the idea of doing a tier ranking of the movies we've seen so far at the end of each episode. Actually, like we'll revisit. So like each time we'll 
give a tier rating to the movie that we just watched, and then we'll also say if we think we need to revise any of the tiers of the previous movies based on the movie that we just did yes. and the ranking that we uh, did. So next episode, we'll go over a bit more like behind-the-scenes stuff about Fast 10. Uh, we'll talk more about you know how we feel about the franchise overall, um, and we'll uh, just... Yeah, you know, talk a bit more uh, about context and whatever the next piece of content is. Uh, but for right now, this is uh, just walking out of the theater. I, I'll say I had a good time. And yeah, I, I think me this too. is the best way to do this podcast is to, to go from 10 going backwards um, and then eventually uh, try to keep all that straight in our brains when we watch, um, you know. Fast 11. Parts 2 and 3. Uh, and 4. You know, Attack on Titan final season. Part, part three, 3. Second half. Uh, part 1. Once yeah. again, the weebening of Fast and Furious begins. Yeah. Um, we can't be the only ones, though. I, I highly doubt it. Uh, but for right now, let's do like we did last time. I'm going to end us off with a quote from the, the film, sure. uh, which I, I wrote down, and I, I hope that I get it right, because I, I'm just going off memory. All right, I just wrote all down right. that this is the quote that I had to end off on uh, for the podcast. Sure. Uh, Vin Diesel says something, not exactly verbatim, something along the lines of, It's crazy to me that you grew up so rich, and you live your life so poorly. You just see that? Uh, man, what a what a good time. We didn't even talk about in that initial uh you know recording session that uh there's an entire bit where Pete Davidson puts drugs in a muffin that uh <laughs> one of the characters eats and then the muffin smiles at him and this is never brought up again. Yeah, it's completely irrelevant to uh the rest of the movie. Um Joey, where can people uh find us online now that we've set up some of our uh accounts? So our website is inreversecast.com, uh, and we can be reached at via email, uh, if anybody uses email, uh, at uh, hosts, that's H-O-S-T-S, at inreversecast.com. Um, and we are on Mastodon at inreverse at mastodon.social. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at in reverse cast yeah and uh i think we're supposed to say like uh you know please uh, rate us and review us on itunes because unless you don't we, like us unless you don't like us don't. in which case definitely do not but uh apparently it like helps podcasts to uh, we're pretty new at this so like who knows but apparently it helps if you guys like say something nice about us on the itunes store which i don't even think it's still called the itunes store but like on apple Podcasts. yeah what I the guess? fuck you talking about yeah uh yeah yeah it's on know. spotify i don't know <laughs> or, or, sure yeah uh I, I, does spotify have podcast ratings anyway, yeah, yeah yeah they got a star rating system cool tell everybody you know <laughs> that uh yeah. we're great I- Next up, ep- next episode. By the way, I'll, we'll uh, do more of. It. We'll look at some of the reviews um, for Fast Ten in my segment, which I've I've now called uh, in reviews. I've decided it's called good name. Um, but uh, I think that's gonna just about do it for us. Uh, Joey, any last minute thoughts on Fast Ten? Uh, great movie. Absolutely loved it. In, in retrospect, uh, I'm very excited about this journey that we're on. Oh, hell yeah. And I look forward to continuing the journey in reverse. <laughs> Is it? Oh, yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> Oof. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>